centuries, mankind has been fascinated with realms outside of our conscious awareness. Through a series of interviews with practitioners, guest speakers, and experts, Liberate the podcast covers all that and more, from health and holistic healing to the supernatural. We aim to educate, motivate, inspire, and liberate your consciousness. And welcome to another episode of Liberate the Podcast. Today we're bringing in another one of our amazing practitioners at the Liberate Emporium. We have Kat with us today. And, you know, a lot of people, you know, kind of bypass their own journey. And, you know, like when you get into becoming a healer, it's it's often times we talk a lot about, you know, the healing process or coming from that expert type of mindset but very rarely do we hear about you know the journey of somebody's own healing that allowed them to get you know and achieve that kind of inner perspective and ability to even heal and transform other people's lives on a deeper uh, more impactful way and so you know today Kat is going to Uh, share with us, you know, her healing journey and a little bit of the insight and, you know, we'll kind of see where it takes us. (laughs) Thank you for having me. (laughs) Would you agree though? Yeah, I would. (laughs) Okay. So Kat, you want to tell them a little bit about yourself? Um, you know, she's an amazing healer. She does shamanic healing here. She does uh, Akashic record readings, other readings. She does tremendous, like, I mean, some of the most powerful healings that I've had, um, I've had from her. Um, and so it's really, you know, an honor to have you here because, you know, um, you are truly gifted. So, I mean, I don't want to, I don't want to like, uh, bypass that by saying that we're talking about your healing journey, but you know, so she is a tremendously gifted healer that, you know, everybody that comes to her loves her. I love her. So, you know, but let's, uh, so let's talk a little bit about you. Okay. <laughs> you just want me to introduce myself? Yeah. A little bit more like, you know, you. Okay, great. Thank you so much for having me. Um, my name is Kat. <laughs> I, uh, I first and foremost uh, identify I'm a creative artist. Um, I am a writer and a director and a performer and I specialize in comedy. I, and then I also work here and then just like Christina said I do healing and I do intuitive work here and uh, that's a little bit about what I do in general. Um, and I can talk a little bit about my journey too, if that's where you want me to start. Yeah, let's let's uh, let's go back to you know when when did this journey onto the spiritual plane? Because I mean, it takes you know especially Cad uh, is a, there's a couple of the practitioners that are here that are are rooted in you know the other world. To, so to say, you know, I mean, there's some people that are, you know, they live, breathe and are within, you know, just a spiritual atmosphere and the work it, you know, but you have one foot into, you know, what would be perceived as uh, regular reality mm-hmm. and then spiritual reality, you know, right. not that they need to be like classified as one or the other, but, you know, um, it in doing so, you know, it's always fascinating for me and I think for the listeners is, you know, how somebody that is very grounded within the physical and within the ordinary plane of reality, how they even got into the spiritual and how they kind of achieve that balance right. too, you know? Right. 
Well, I started off uh, as a kid, I was always really spiritual. I am drawn to spiritual things, but I don't think that I actually consciously knew that I was. I was very sensitive uh, and had an ability, which I didn't realize until much, much later, an ability to look at someone and just uh, know so much about them and especially about what was going on emotionally for them. Uh, and I absorbed other people's energy a lot of the time. So again, I had no kind of conscious awareness of this, but that is the way that I would function. And a lot of times my system would get incredibly overwhelmed. Mm -hmm. uh, I identify, some listeners out there may know a little bit about indigo or crystal children, but I identify kind of in the realm of both of them uh, in that I didn't feel quite of this earth and I also uh, didn't really understand how to use all of this sensitivity that I had. And I feel like sensitivity in general is uh, in our society is put down and I think it's just a beautiful gift and so I didn't understand why uh, I couldn't process things or why I needed time alone or why I could feel everyone else's emotions. Mm -hmm. So that's kind of where I started off. When did you start realizing that, you know, they weren't your emotions that you were feeling? You know, how, how, how as a child do you make that distinction, you know, I, that... I don't think I ever knew, to be okay. honest. And I came from, I come from a family of really lovely parents, but also um, somewhat parents who had come from a trauma background, too. And so I was always... Uh, Anyone whose emotion or who had emotions that were unprocessed, I would process those emotions. Mm -hmm. And so I didn't understand why I would do that. So I could be around someone and all of a sudden have a meltdown and not understand that they were someone else's emotions. I just didn't know for years and years and years. But I could feel when I shifted environments. Uh, so if I went from a, an environment that was traumatic to one that was less traumatic, I could feel actually my energetic shift. Wow. But I think for many years, I was almost, I felt like a black sheep a lot of the time because I would act out what was unsaid. Hmm. And for me, it's, it was very hard to sit with um, people who weren't being authentic. That's a little bit of the indigo child in me, too, is to see and feel something that's going on and no one's speaking about it. Yeah. And I would just freak out. Uh, and then... <laughs> I still, I've learned to work with that and really see it as a gift, but I still have to step back sometimes these days too and go, wait a second, that's not mine that I'm processing right now, and it's not my job to process it too. Wow. Yeah. And is, uh, there, is there a certain process that you do that like cuts that off? Because I mean, I'm sure a lot of people that are listening are maybe having some of those aha moments that are like, wow, you know, yeah, when I get around these types of people or when I'm in, in these situations, I feel angry or I feel anxious or I feel this, yeah. but when I'm not in these situations, I don't. So is that really me, you know? I think it came from, it came from a lot of healing. So I'm glad we're talking about healing today um, to really understand that because I had a very hard time understanding myself from someone who was relatively calm and very compassionate. That's one thing that I've always known about myself but it was it would get cloudy mm -hmm. at times was just this deep kind of like age-old compassion like it not only was I able to feel what other people were feeling but I feel like my biggest gift in this lifetime is to really see people for who they are truly mm -hmm. and so I would see all the gifts at the same time 
And I think with doing healing, it helped to separate that. But yeah, it wasn't until it was like years ago where I was having another meltdown and I had this big kind of aha moment of I really need help. And I had already gotten into spiritual things at this point. So I had uh, a couple intuitive readers that I would talk to all the time. Um, my sister went to grad school for social work. So I come from a family. My mom's a therapist. My, sis- my sister is a social worker. Um, who, But when she was going to social work school, she met a woman who was the mother of one of her friends who was an intuitive. Mm. And she helped introduce us kind of to that entire world. I had had one encounter before of a woman who came in. I was working in a flower shop uh, when I was in college. And she came in and she uh, offered to give me a reading in exchange for me showing her uh, how to create an arrangement, which was really cool. And I went in and she actually told me that I was going to move to Chicago in the next six months, which I grew up uh, in Northern California. So when she was like, Chicago, I was like, no. I'm not going at all. Uh, And within six months, I had moved there. And so I became like a big believer. She really had a lot of beautiful things to say. Um, But those were, so with her, she kind of opened that up for me. Then when I met my sister's friend's mom, uh, she opened that up. So I was really open to all of the spiritual work, but I still found myself Uh, despite being completely immersed in everything, still falling into these kind of same patterns and same traumas and same loops. Uh, And so I had had a meltdown one day and I was uh, opened up to the idea that I really truly needed help Mm. and uh, and that I didn't want to go find a traditional therapist because uh, because it wasn't fully in alignment with my belief system. Mm -hmm. And so I really looked for... Uh, there's a website in Chicago called Chicago Healers, and I looked for someone who was who had a uh, therapeutic background, but mm-hmm. someone who also was interested in spirituality. And I ended up finding this amazing therapist who kind of helped me integrate everything. And her concept around the whole thing was that um, talk therapy alone doesn't heal people because we really truly hold trauma still in our body. And a lot of times in therapy, people are only processing the conscious. And so with working with the body, it helps to access the subconscious. Uh, and so it's the integration of those and then the spirituality, those three things together, which really would create lasting healing. Mm-hmm. But the thing that I realized for myself was that I needed regularity. Like I needed someone to sit with me and work with me every single week. That's one of the things that I find for people, too, is they don't give that gift to themselves of just learning to receive and have someone sit with you on a regular basis and in a very kind, compassionate way, call you out on your shit, too. Yeah. Uh, So that that was where I started to notice big shifts and changes and was able to kind of separate, here's my gifts and my sensitivities, and here's Mm -hmm. the stuff that I really came into this earth lifetime to heal. And I need to deeply look at this myself before I shift to healing. Because I think similar to what you said earlier, I think we jump so fast sometimes in wanting to be healers. I have these healing gifts, but I'm still unhealed myself. Yeah. I think a lot of healers and therapists are people, or 
people who've come here to take on the journey of healing. Mm-hmm. And that's what they're here to do too. And But one of the big pieces that they need to do is really work on that receiving for themselves. Yeah, absolutely. And I think that that's the same with any field, you know, like the moment that, uh, you know, an engineer starts to teach, yeah. you know, they learn through the teaching. Right. They say like in that moment that they're doing, they're actually learning so much too. And it's like they're constantly learning in order to be a better teacher. They're yeah. constantly learning to, you know, as, as you go and you have to go through the process, which you know, we kind of... Right before we started the podcast, we were chatting a little bit and we talked about how um, sometimes people want to bypass, you know, do bypass that healing and kind of jump to, I'm already okay or I'm going to grab this. And I think that, you know, if you want to like kind of dive into a little bit more on that. I do. I have an opinion around um, people sometimes wanting to spiritually bypass. And I and what I mean by that is I think that we live in a culture of quick fix a lot of the time too. So I want to come in and I want this one healing to be everything. Or I want this crystal to solve everything. And I think that crystals and healings are tools to help you heal. And I think they're important tools. The spirituality to me... What was important about it was that I felt like it gave deeper meaning to everything that I was trying to heal. Um, I really needed hope. Sometimes for me, therapy would register as just like, I'm looking back on all my traumas and I would get caught in that kind of backwards, uh, looking backwards. And I think the spiritual piece has always been the hope and the uplifting and why am I here and what is my purpose? and. Uh, and how am I able to affect other people too? Yeah. And so needing those two in balance. But I do feel like um, sometimes spirituality is used as an avoidance of actually integrating both pieces. Because mm-hmm. to me, everything is about balance. Uh, I think it's very easy to fall out of balance one way, to get so caught in the therapeutic piece uh, that it's hard to see here's all these possibilities of things that are out there and here's our life purpose and here's why we're here and also it gets it can get tipped the other way too yeah um so I feel like when there's the integration of the two and the regularity of the two I think that's the big thing that I see and I would get stuck in that a lot too like I just want this one healing to be it yeah like that's it I mean, I'm done. I, I think we all do, right? right? I mean, we want you we want the the quick fix or the pill or the you know the diet program that will right. be, will be fast and will be you know everything. But you see it time and time again with anything that if it's not done, you know, it doesn't mean that it needs to be slow and drawn out over like you know an agony of a time period. But you, you know, persistence and and consistency really make an impact lasting, yeah. right? Otherwise, people like go and they get, you know, certain type of weight loss surgery, and then what happens if they don't change or this right. or that? Then it goes right back, you know, the those weight loss pills and stuff like that. Or, you know, and I'm just saying that because that's like something that yeah. people can grab a hold of that I think in our culture, uh, even people that aren't as spiritual that might be listening, they can get the idea that, yeah, I just want this, you know? Right. You know, or even a pill for, you know, some kind of physical ailment. You know, it's just mass of symptoms. It's not healing. Right, exactly. You know, it's not fixing the cholesterol problem. It's lowering it, but, 
you got to change the diet. You got to change the exercise, you know? And I think it always goes down. It's like peeling layers off. I remember for years in kind of my like therapeutic spiritual work, I'd be like, I've got to be done at this point. Like I can't go a deeper like level uh, or a deeper layer. And I feel like it, once I was finally able to give in to, oh, it's a constant journey. It's not, you don't heal something and then like wham, bam, it's done. Mm-hmm. Uh, it is quite, kind of always looking at, okay, what is the deeper belief system here? What is the block that's here? And I think the other piece for me too was really learning about receiving. And I think receiving is a feminine energy. And it's so interesting because I feel like um, so many women don't know how to receive. We're mm-hmm. only givers and nurturers, mm-hmm. and we haven't really taken that in. And I think we don't heal in a bubble by ourselves. You can get all the spiritual books that you want. Um, but for me, it was really learning to sit with other people and to receive. Yeah. Um, and so I think if I could say anything in this episode, I think that would be the biggest piece was my aha of this was so difficult on my own by myself or going to just see five different people at random times during the year. I needed the consistency uh, and the love of being able to receive from someone uh, on a regular basis. And that helped me expand to have a larger community of people that became very consistent. But I think that I was inconsistent with myself too. Mm -hmm. So when I learned to receive consistency from others, then I started to become more consistent with myself. I love that. Yeah. Is there anything that you did to change like the way that you think about um, the problems or the dark aspects that are happening in your life? Did you have like a a mind shift on it to be able, because I think a lot of people have this this they they want the quick fix or they don't want to look at it or they don't want to sit in it because they make it wrong bad Mm -hmm. evil um that there's something wrong with them that they're going you know there's so much negative connotation instead of finding the gift in it was there anything that you did that shifted the mindset or i do think it's all a gift and i do think that there was a shift in mindset when i first started learning, um, so do shamanic cranial sacral. So cranial sacral is body-centered therapy and you're using very light touch to bring the body back into balance and to help release any trauma or emotion that's stagnant in the body. Uh, And again, I started getting this uh, and being healed from it. And as I was learning how, um, I should start with, the first couple times I got it, I, it was a very pleasant experience. And about the third time, I burst into tears for half an hour. And it was just old subconscious emotion that had been sitting in the body. Um, and as I got deeper into learning the work, one of the things that, we, uh, that I was taught uh, that helped me understand it, too, was that a lot of times like we hold... For instance, if someone is um, the survivor of abuse, they may take on a um, an energy of protection that they hold in their body, like I can't let anyone get too close. Mm-hmm. Uh, and then they're actually holding it in their physical body too. Well, if they're in, um, if that abuse has taken place when they're a child and they're no longer in that abusive situation, 
uh, they still have that guard up mm-hmm. that's right there. And so it's working with the energy to help release it. But we also, there's a lot of gratitude for that energy because that came in as a protector for that child at that time too. So when we're releasing it back into the light, it again, it's that gratitude of thank you for your help. You're no longer needed so we can shift from that. Mm -hmm. So that's one of the ways that I look at it. Another thing I see a lot of the time when I'm doing the Akashic Records, um, and it's interesting because I'd listened to a, um, a podcast on Edgar Casey who did the Akashic, and he was talking about um, that he saw everything as the hero's journey when he went into it. And so a soul is born onto this earth with a specific uh, lesson, and maybe that lesson is of empowerment in this lifetime, and they choose to go on a hero's journey to actually recognize that empowerment. So mm-hmm. they start off maybe in a very disempowered situation. And the journey, the reason they're here is to realize how powerful they are as a being too. So those gifts, those things that we look at as negative are almost, um, they're almost like points on a map along the way. It's like when we look at the other side of them, why do we have these too? It's it's about the learning experience through it. Mm -hmm. And I don't feel like that, I think that that is a really tender place to go with people too, because especially people who come from uh, like deep trauma backgrounds too, it's very hard to say. Like the, I think sometimes the idea of like it, um, there's a purpose to everything yeah. is very triggering to people because they think that there needs to be a deep honoring of what that experience was like, and I think that that's where for me. The therapy piece was really important, and I think that comes different people that I know are, who are spiritual practitioners do this too. It's like needing to hold the deep compassion and healing there, especially for if that happened as a child, what that child needed and never got to. Yeah. And through that, because I feel like if you don't bypass something and you move directly through it, we do, we shift through our emotions. Our emotions actually transform into something else. Our traumas transform, but we don't get to bypass the feeling of it. We actually have to go into the center of it. Mm -hmm. And that's where working with people and like practitioners who work here, um, who are gifted and compassionate can really help you with that piece too to kind of help hold your hand through that process because I don't think that you should be alone through it yeah because it is it's you know and a lot of people have had very traumatic things that have happened or even if you know in, in everybody's perception of what they went through regardless of outside perspective mm-hmm. you know and like and uh, honoring that feeling but I think you know what I'm hearing you say which is which is very important is to to stay honored that you know okay yes this was painful this was traumatic this was you know hard to imagine that this happened to this person this person or this person or an innocent child or whatever the case may be but if one person doesn't allow their self to find the lessons, the growth, the impact of how even them as a soul dealt with that, then they're forever in that victim mode instead of a strength mode. Right. You know? And yes. so like, yes, it was horrible that this happened, but what did you have as an outcome as a result of this? 
you know? And I think that in some ways, too, there's a recreation of what we're taught or what we know. So it's almost having to create new neural pathways mm-hmm. in the brain so that we... Um, so that we heal and shift through to have new experiences as well. Yeah, absolutely. I was reading, I can't remember, uh, I wish I could remember the name of the book, Um, but it was basically like a, um, it was a neurosurgeon who was looking at, he was basically looking at spirituality, but through the scientific process, Mm -hmm. and he was talking about that we do, we have these neural pathways that we get high on our emotions, that we get high on our thoughts. So someone who wakes up and does the same thing every day, like here I am and I wake up and at eight o'clock I have coffee and then I go to the office and then I do this. Uh, There's a ping that goes off in the brain. They get high on that every single time um, because it's how the brain reacts to it. So the brain gets high on doing the same thing over and over again. So even things that, uh, even reactions that we have, like even angry reactions or uh, anything that's repetitive still gives us a high. I don't know if you have this experience ever, but there's sometimes when I get angry about something where I'm like, I'm enjoying being angry about this. It feels familiar to me. It's it's the familiarity and it's the attachment of the known. And then there's a release because our body automatically tries to go in balance, right? Right. And that's why, like, um, I'm not not 100% familiar with the exact, like, um, chemical that's released after anger, but I know that after you cry, there's an opiate-like effect that's released on the brain. Yeah. So it's actually, like, this painkiller, like, euphoria that happens. Like, if you allow yourself to really cry and cry it all out, you get this euphoric rush because your body, your brain is trying to recorrect it back to a homeostasis. And so that could be perceived as, I mean, how many people get addicted to opiates, right? Right. You know, like, so I can see your point of getting addicted to the emotions. Well, and it's like the combination, because I feel like, again, everything's in balance. Like, we do have to feel the emotion, right? Like, I remember seeing Marianne Williamson was talking about that, like, grief is the emotional immune system kicking in. So Mm -hmm. if we're not processing that, like the body can't heal itself. But also when we find ourselves in these patterns that we're doing over and over and over again, or I'm bringing the same people into my life over and over again and having the same reaction over and over again, it is, it's like having to explore why and am I getting high off of that? Yeah, and and what needs to shift and change? What attachment, you know? to this circumstance, you know, and the, or the inability to, to look at it, you yeah. know, the avoidance factor that you were talking about earlier. It's like, okay, well, I just, I'm not going to really look at it. I'm not going to really work on it. So then it continues to present itself. Right. And even if the person doesn't like it, hates it, you know, it's pained by it, you know, it doesn't matter. Yeah. I mean, I think we can get addicted. We can get addicted to boredom, you know, <laughs> just oh, any state. I mean, yeah, we become so I mean, it, it changes so fast, but then it becomes so known. Like if you wake up, I, I always say this in, in like new sessions with clients, like if you wake up earlier every day um, at a certain time, your body finds it really hard to get up before that alarm right. clock. And then after a couple weeks, it's known. Right. Same thing, like if you start a new workout routine, it's hard at first if you haven't worked out in a while. And then all of a sudden, you can't not work out. Yeah. And then you stop working out for a bit, and then you can't start again. Right, right. <laughs> totally. So, 
we get these gnomes? Totally. I was listening to um, Matt Kahn, if I can give it a plug to anyone. I love Matt Kahn. Uh, he does a lot of YouTube videos. I've um, gone to hear him speak a couple of times. Um, but he talks about, too, that like we'll go into that we're constantly as um, as souls are craving new experience too. Mm-hmm. So anytime we're doing something that's too repetitive, like even behaviorally, because I'm one of those people like uh, if I love eating something, like I'll just eat the same thing over and over and over again. Uh, or I'll just, do, I'll go on the same walk over and over and over again. And I'll do it to the point where like, I can't do it anymore. Like I've stopped eating some food because I ate it straight for three months and that was it. And he was talking about like, we crave variety too. Yeah. So also like anything that pops us out of those routines, whether or not they're emotional routines or like everyday routines, like really help. We crave that actually deeply mm-hmm. on a deep spiritual level. Um, we're craving that difference uh, yeah. in our lives too. So that's why I think even if you're not uh, committed to like, okay, I'm ready to sit down and work with someone every week, coming in to here and having a spiritual experience can also thrust you out of that. And even if we haven't committed to a new routine, uh, it anything that can take us out of the known path that we've been on for a long time too sometimes just shakes it up and all of a sudden we're we find ourselves by embracing that by really embracing the yes uh and I come from an uh from teaching and performing a lot of improvisation too from that yes and background of like just say yes to things and your life will change I like that. Yeah. If there was one thing as as we're wrapping up for today, and I mean, I want to I want to have you on for other other. There's so much. There's so, so much that Kat can talk about. I mean, clearly, you know. I'm a talker. Um, yeah. But what would be like one thing that you would want to leave for people? Like, if you could say, you know. I, I feel like what I needed as a kid was I needed to know that. Um, I was here for a purpose and that there was hope and um, and so I feel like if I could leave people with that one of my favorite things to do in Akashic readings is to talk about people's life purpose and why they're here mm. too um, because I think we're all here to do brilliant things and we're here at this really beautiful point in time too where we're really evolving um, and so that's what what I'd like people to leave with is it's not hopeless. And even if you have to kind of do that work to look into your past and to move through it, um, your life really can change and evolve and you're here for a reason. And there are loving guides along the way to help you with that if you open yourself to uh, allowing yourself to receive deeply too. And that's been my biggest thing is to learn how to receive because I think we live in a culture where everything is like do, 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 do. Mm-hmm. And so people are like, I'm doing these things all the time, but nothing's changing. <laughs> and I think it's like it, there's so much that's there to receive. And I think that that's, um, we'll talk about it at another time, but that really is deep mother healing too because our mother is where we learn to receive. Yeah. Um, so, Yeah know that you're special and I just I I do I love sitting across from someone and really having that experience of 
falling in love with them as a soul because they believe that everyone is special and unique. I love that. Yeah. We are all special and unique. We are. <laughs> and if anybody... And a nice tidy bow on that one. <laughs> <laughs> if anybody would like to find out any more information, you can uh, find Kat on our website, come into our store um, here at liberatemporium.com. And, um, you know, if... Uh, you like this podcast even if you didn't it helps other people find us if you please uh, rate us um, give us a review on iTunes uh, so that we can start showing up in the search results uh, on there thank you so much for joining us and until next time bye